This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System L-I-V-E live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. We are here middle of the play-in. Smackdown in the middle of the play-in tournament. We saw two great games on Tuesday night. Still four games that uh, have potential to be great, Scott. But how are you feeling so far, my friend? Colin, I'm doing great. I, I, I got to say, I, I love the regular season. I love everything about it. I love um, all-star voting. I love the award races. I love the the random Sadiq Bay 50-point games, the Pokusheski triple-doubles when you're not expecting it. Um, but the, the postseason special. So I, I, I'm excited for the uh, the play. And as you said, the days to come and the playoffs start Saturday. It, it, it's, it's a great time of the calendar. It is a great time of the calendar. I... You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a uh, I'm gonna make an honest honest um, confession here, Scott. I did not like the idea of the play-in when it was first brought about uh, by the league and 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 heading into the bubble and everything else. I thought it was silly. I thought that we had enough playoff teams already involved. Adding four more in each conference just didn't, or two more in each conference just didn't make sense to me. Um, I felt like you know when you have a, a league that has more than half the teams that make the playoffs or the postseason in this case, it, it takes away some of it. It makes it feel less important or less special when you make the playoffs. But I will say, I've come all the way around. I am a huge fan of the play-in tournament, not only for what it did last night in those uh, in those two games that we saw uh, between the the Nets and the Cavaliers, and of course the Timberwolves Clippers. But for what it does for some of these teams in a regular season, uh, and we'll get to the Pelicans a little later on, but the Pelicans are ones that I think about a lot uh, because they could have easily packed it up in the olden days. They probably would have done that. They would have packed that in and, and, and sort, of, sort of looked forward to the lottery. Instead, they have a chance to make the playoffs. So I, I, I am all in on the playing tournament and what it means for the regular season and giving us games that have uh, you know a March Madness feel to it to before the playoffs even actually start. I'm with you. And I even think it's for teams that are not in the playoff picture, right? Like we, we saw the Raptors basically the last two months fight tooth and nail just to get out of the playing mix and secure one of those top six seeds in the Eastern Conference. So I think it's that too. Like you you now have up to what, 12 teams essentially kind of being in the playoff race most of the season. Um, but then you even have those teams in the five to, to 10 range kind of jockeying for position and trying to skip that. And yeah, it's always fun to watch, you know, a Kevin Durant in a, a win or go home. Not exactly because the Nets had two chances to make the playoffs, but you know what I mean? A win or go home game. Right. Um, the Cavaliers have a, have a second bite of the apple and everything like that. And tonight with the Hawks and the Hornets, like Trey Young could go for 40 and 15 for all we know, you know what I mean? And, and the Hornets could hang up 140. Like th- right. there's just no way of knowing. So that, 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 that definitely does add some excitement prior to the playoffs. Yeah, we get four guaranteed Game 7s every single year, no matter what, before the playoffs even start. Uh, and that begins tonight uh, as we speak to you on a Wednesday. Um, well, first, let's let's go through quickly the, the two playing games that happened on, on Tuesday night, Scott. First, Brooklyn Cavaliers. Not many people picked the Cavaliers to, to, to win that game. Um, but was there anything that that you felt showed you that maybe there's some vulnerability with the Brooklyn Nets as they head into a playoff series with the Boston Celtics? 
I mean, Kyrie and KD were incredible. Kyrie made his first 12 shots of the game, finished 34 points, 12 assists, was just in, in total control the entire game. Kevin Durant had 25 points, 11 assists. I thought he made some big defensive plays too. And also hit some two like game-sealing shots essentially down the stretch. One over Evan Mobley, who uh, for most people is, is impossible to get a shot off against. So from that perspective, I think that that's great uh, for the Nets. They got some good players in Nicholas Claxton, Andre Drummond. Bruce Brown was fantastic too. I mean, he, he was a rebound and two assists shy of a triple-double. My, my only concern, I love Bruce Brown. I, again, I thought he was fantastic on both ends of the court. Made some huge plays for them. He took 19 shots. He took the most shots on the nets. And there was just a lot of plays, a lot of decisions made by him down the stretch of that game. Um, and credit to him for making the right ones. But I, I, I do, I, I am worried about the nets going up against the Celtics team. That's yes, without Robert Williams, who is, if not their most important defender, their second most important defender. But this team has still got a ton of length. Um, they're really well um, organized. And I think they're just going to show a ton of attention at Kyrie and Kevin Durant, kind of like the Cavs did, um, particularly in the fourth quarter, but mainly in the second half of that game last night, um, and force other players to make plays. And, and sure, maybe there's one or two games that Bruce Brown does this. Maybe Seth Curry has a big game. But I, I do wonder if this team does have enough fire, firepower outside of those two um, to, to win this series against the Celtics. Because again, even without Robert Williams... I mean, this Celtics team has has arguably played the best basketball in the league over kind right. of like the last two or three months. Yeah, I, I full disclosure uh, for for uh, SportingNews.com and and on our NBA global sites around the world, I have the Nets in seven uh, in this series. I say that, and I'll also say this: it would not shock me if the Celtics won in six. And you know, when when you're well, I'll say this: the Nets aren't winning the championship. Like all these people that think that this Brooklyn Net team, that as flawed as it is, can just uh, you know be carried by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and go all the way to the title, are going to find out that basketball is more than just a two you know player sport. It, it is a team sport, and you know I, I don't care how great KD and Kyrie can be in an individual game, like we saw last uh, you know on Tuesday night. They're not doing that for 16 wins going forward, um, and 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 doing it as easily as they did it against uh, a banged up Cavaliers team. Like the Cavaliers team, if they were healthy, they still did a pretty good job defensively on both those guys as good as you can do. I know, I know, Kyrie Irving basically hit every shot uh, he took last night. So you know, I'm not going to sit here and say they they did they locked him down, but they made life tough for him, uh, and he had to make some pretty spectacular shots and pr- pretty spectacular plays. Same with Kevin Durant and. They're great players. That you know, that, that's what they do. But on the other end, um, you know, the Cavaliers just didn't have players that could you know match that level of intensity or or match that level of output. And I think Boston is going to be able to do that. I think Milwaukee is going to be able to do that. Uh, I think the the Heat should be able to do at least some of that. Uh, same with the Sixers if they're right. Like there are going to be teams standing in the way of the Brooklyn Nets, not only in the Eastern Conference, but what if they get out of the Eastern Conference and get to the finals, uh, which would be a miracle in itself. Um, you know, it's not like the Phoenix Suns or whoever is standing there in their way is going to roll over and, and just allow Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to take over. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets are going to win the championship this year. I do, uh, however, think that they have one series win in them, and this would be against the Celtics. Um, that series is a top up for me. I went with Brooklyn uh, in, in seven, which is kind of a cop out. I feel like I, I feel like I I feel like that that's the series that like if you pick Brooklyn and you're wrong, people won't really get mad at you, <laughs> right? Like, it's just I like, mean, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're picking the Nets, so I, I feel like I, I I am fence sitting on that one. Um, but that's what stuck out to me 
in the win against the Cavaliers is that as great as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were, and yeah, they were in control of the game for the majority of it, um, except for you know maybe a couple minutes here or there where Cleveland went on a run, I just didn't see enough that made me afraid of them. And I think last year with the three-headed monster of Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, and, and, and Kyrie Irving, when they beat Boston, I, I watched them and I was like, well, who's going to stop this team? Like they, they're putting up 140 points, uh, you know, yeah. on easily. I didn't have that same fear this time around watching them. And I would imagine that teams that are in the playoffs are not going to have that same fear that they would have had last year, uh, at least, you know, trying to guard this team offensively. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I do think there were some scary moments last night. Like, they, they put up 40 points in the first quarter. Kyrie Irving hit his first 12 shots. They were up big, and I, I don't think anyone would blame them for kind of letting their foot off the gas a little bit in that situation. Um, I, look, the biggest question mark with them is Ben Simmons, right? Because he hasn't played a game the entire he's season. Not, he's we, not playing. He's not playing. I mean, until they shut him down, I mean, he's all the reporting playing. seems to be that he could return in the playoffs. And, I mean, who knows what he'd look like if he did return. Not only has he not played the entire season, we saw what happened to him in the playoffs last year, and, by the way, he's coming off a back injury. But I I just think, you know, defensively, obviously, he'd make a tremendous difference. Because in a series against the Celtics, even if it's for 20, 25 minutes, depending on his conditioning and everything like that, he can chase around a Jason Tatum, at least make him uncomfortable, and at least me- means that Kevin Durant won't have to chase him around for the, that, that 20, 25 minutes, and maybe he has a little bit more energy at the end of games. Um, but even offensively, like I, I think why a lot of people were optimistic about the Simmons fit when that trade went through is imagining him, him in that kind of Bruce Brown role that we saw in that play and win over the Cavaliers, you know, setting screens, rolling to the basket, making plays out of the short roll and everything like that. Um, the difference being that Ben Simmons is is like six foot eleven, um, and again, not to discredit anything Bruce Brown did because he's fantastic and he's a great role player and very important for them. But Ben Simmons is just on another level, um, athleticism, skill, and everything like that. So, I like you, I, I feel like at this point, I, I would be very surprised if we did see Ben Simmons um, in these playoffs this season at all. But but until he's officially shut down, I mean that 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 is just the biggest kind of like looming question for this team. Uh, it's all gamesmanship. Steve Nash is just playing poker. You know, he knows Ben Simmons is not stepping on the floor, but he's going to give you that hope so that the other team has to game plan just in the event that he might show up. He is not playing. You're not going to bring Ben Simmons into uh, this team onto this team in the playoffs with everything on the line. Just the 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 margin for error for that guy and the team right now is just you know is slim to none basically. To to ruin the chemistry, we would just watch them have a great performance. To now add someone that's going to ha- you're going to take time to kind of adapt around on both ends of the floor. I don't care who you are, it, you're not doing that in the first round of the playoffs. It, it, especially just the way that you know the mental hurdle that he had to go over. Um, you know from the last time we've seen him, you know play basketball. <laughs> the, the dude, the dude was passing up shots at point blank range, and then we just expect that to just be erased from his memory in a big spot. I don't think that's going to happen. I I, I think. We have not. We're, we're not going to see Ben Simmons until the, the next year. That, that's just how I feel. Injury side, um, we're just not going to see him. Uh, all right, let's. Enough about the Nets. I uh, give me your your Nets Celtics prediction. I, I forget your uh, Nets and yeah, six. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I did Celtics and six. I, I Celtics, like right. you. I, I wouldn't be all that surprised. Sorry, I, I do expect the Celtics to win. But I would not be surprised if the Nets did win. Kevin Durant is that good. Kyrie Irving is that good. Like you said, it wouldn't shock me at all if they won a series, at least in these playoffs. Look, Kevin Durant's arguably the best player in the world. Uh, personally, I think Giannis deserves that crown. But but KD, 
we've, we've seen what he's capable of doing um, when the stakes are the highest. So, but I, I, I do kind of lean towards the Celtics. Should be a great series. All right. Um, Clippers, Timberwolves was the game of the night by far. A lot of back and forth. This had a game seven feel to it. The atmosphere was great. Um, you know, Brooklyn's atmosphere might be the worst in basketball. That was awful last night. I mean, the, 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 you know, their fans need to step it up. Um, you know, you're in a playing game, and granted, you know, it wasn't the you know a game that you would go into with any fear of losing if you're a Brooklyn Net fan. But come on, you know, Kyrie Irving is putting on a show. You could at least cheer him on when that's happening instead of golf clapping all the way through. Uh, but anyway, the Timberwolves crowd, shout out to them. They did a great job of of being a factor. If this game was in L.A., I think the Clippers win that game just by the way that it went back and forth. Uh, but the young Timberwolves were able to feed off the crowd. Um, Carl Towns had a stinker. Uh, he, he really did. Uh, and, and I'm nervous. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go too far into, you know, um, you know his playoff history and, and how disappointed I've been so far in his playoff slash play in uh, performances. Um, but he's gonna have to show me something in the first two games in Memphis because that it, it, you know it, he he is teetering on being an 82 game player and not a 16 game player. Uh, to use the the Twitter conversation, but shout out to Anthony Edwards and 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 DeAngelo Russell, I thought was the best player on the Timberwolves all night. The way that he controlled that game, Scott, from start to finish, it, it felt like he was kind of passive in the first quarter. You know, maybe even halfway through the second quarter, but he he picked the spots. And you know, but when you looked up at the halfway through mark of the fourth quarter, you looked up and he saw he's he's stuffing the stat sheet. He's getting guys involved. He's pulling rebounds. He was good enough defensively to stay on the floor and not kill you. And he finishes over twenty nine points and and some big time buckets down the stretch. That pull up three. Um, you know, when, when Towns goes out with foul trouble uh, and he takes that pull-up three in transition that had the crowd going nuts, that was the shot of the game. That was the – I know the game wasn't over at that point because the Clippers had some you know, responses to that. But to me, that was a shot of the game that said, we're the Timberwolves, we are here to win, and we have the confidence that we could beat you. Um, because that was one of those when – he, when he took that shot, Scott, I was like, what are you doing? And it, it was all splash. Um, you know, he, he shut me up on my couch. So – Timberwolves now go on to play Memphis, which should be a great series. The Clippers will have to play the winner of tonight's play-in game uh, between the Pelicans and the Spurs. Um, what do you take away from the uh, Timberwolves-Clippers game? It's funny. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to be overly critical of Towns because I do think that the Clippers had a great game plan for him. Um, they, they defended him with a small, a lot of game like Nicholas Batum. They switched a lot when he got the ball, they swarmed him. Like they, they just made life so difficult for him. And you could tell they went into this game with a game plan. Hold on. And this is, uh, this is why I I am worried and a little bit nervous about that because Nick Batum is a guy who's past his prime, right? Like we, we can all agree. He's still a good defender. He's He's still still a good good defender, defender. but he is past his prime. Uh, You know, Zubat's. Say what you want about him. He's a solid NBA player, but that's it. You know, he's a, yes, he's a starting center in the NBA. I agree with that, but he's not. He should not be guarding an All NBA type uh, center, right? Like I, I voted for Carl Towns in our in our, our Sporting News All NBA teams comfortably. I had no question about it that he deserved to be one of the three centers named to the All NBA team this season. And if you're at that level, you should not be getting stopped by Zubats. So I, I get it. Yes. The, the game plan was great by the Timberwolves, sorry, the Clippers, but guess what? It's not getting any easier. You have Jaron Jackson, who is a defensive player of the year candidate. You have Brandon Clark, who could provide some of the same things that Nick Batum did. You have you have uh, Steven Adams, who could be super physical with you. You have Desmond Bain, who could, who could guard up. Dylan Brooks, who could guard up. Like, 
Towns is walking in to a series where there are going to be better players suited to defend him using the same game plan that Ty Lue rolled out. And if you think Taylor Jenks is not going to do the exact same thing to, after watching Towns uh, basically self-implode and foul out of a game, that important game, I, 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 I'm, I'm nervous. I, I, I have to be nervous about it. Well, that's the thing. I, I think, you know, Towns had some pretty i haven't watched them all back probably three off the top of my head fouls which i think he would have wanted back um i i don't know i i just think the clippers threw absolutely everything at him i i think he did get frustrated i think that showed up in the fouls that he committed um and to your point the grizzlies are tough as hell like that that team is is no fun to go up against um so they're going to do a lot of the same things i think but i'm just not all i'm saying is i'm not i'm not overreacting um to this performance specifically from him but i gotta say like the the clippers i think took like a i think it was like a 92 82 lead with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter and at that point like carl anthony towns may have been fouled out at that point um i I was i thought that was kind of it like i thought the clippers were going to kind of run away from it from there but um, yeah, D'Angelo Russell was fantastic down the stretch. So it's Anthony Edwards finished with 30 points. Um, I don't know how we've gone this long talking about this game without mentioning Patrick Beverly, who, yes, he shot two for eight from the field. So if you look at it from that perspective, you might think he had a quiet night. But he, as Patrick Beverly does, made all the big plays defensively, came up with all the important rebounds. Um, it, it is fun to see the way that he's kind of changed his team with the way that he plays defensively, gets in people's faces, his, his energy. And we saw how much, I mean, he made, he made it very clear that, that this was a personal uh, game for him after how things ended with the Clippers. And I know some people were kind of critical about how he and the Timberwolves celebrated after that game. Look, the Timberwolves haven't been in the, have been in the playoffs once in the last 20 years, basically. Um, this is a big game for them to to get back into the playoffs. They've had a great season. I personally love to see like all those emotions from the players and see that they really, really wanted it. Because um, like you said, the crowd was fantastic in Minnesota, I thought. like They, they were there the whole game chanting um, great energy down the stretch. I, I, I just thought it was an awesome scene. Um, and it, it, I feel like it's hard not to root for the Timberwolves and be happy for them in this situation. Yeah, I'm not mad at the way they celebrated. Um, that might be a surprise to you, Scott, but I actually enjoyed it. It is. Um, I, I am a fan of um, the saying, if you don't like it, beat them. And if the Clippers didn't like the way that they celebrated, which I don't think the Clippers had any beef with it, um, I didn't see any anyway online. I think it was, I feel like it was more towards like, probably the organization rather than the players, if that makes sure. sense. Um, I, right. I obviously have no idea, but that, that that's kind of the, the vibe that I got from it. Right, and if you're, and I saw Memphis, I saw John Morant with some laughing emojis and everything else, and uh, I'm sure that the, the Grizzlies are, are kind of licking their chops and, and and laughing, you know, amongst themselves about the way that the Timberwolves celebrated a play-in game win, uh, and now they have to gear themselves back up to play the Grizzlies in a series. Well, if you're the Grizzlies, shut them up, then you know don't 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 allow them to do that to you. Um, you know, go out and beat them. So, I, you know, why why rain on their parade? It was an emotional win for Patrick Beverly. He's been the emotional leader of this team all season long. He has been a huge difference maker. Uh, if you when you talk about you know at the end of the season, off season acquisitions that have made a difference. I think mm-hmm. Pat Bev, um, you know, d- belongs in the conversation as one of the biggest. He he has you know it's not it's not what he's just doing you know numbers wise because. It, that's not that's not it. But he's given Carl Towns a different edge. He's given Anthony Edwards the confidence to to go out there in his first real you know meaningful basketball game and show up the way he did. Um, you know you, you can even see it. Uh, you know after the game was won, like Anthony Edwards wanted to celebrate that way. 
And he looked over at Pat Bev and said, and, and it felt like, okay, if Pat Bev's doing it, then that means it's okay for me to jump on the table and do it too. And that's okay. Like th- th- this team needed leadership desperately. They have it now. And I also want to shout out to, to you know Chris Finch. He doesn't get a ton of credit for what he's mm-hmm. done as a head coach, X's and O's wise. He's kind of a nondescript coach. But this Timberwolves team, um, outside of Boston, since the All Star break, Scott, the Timberwolves are the only other team outside of Boston that finished in first uh, uh, with offensive rating and first in defensive rating. Uh, sorry, top 10 in, in both categories. Top 10 in offensive rating, top 10 defensive rating since the All-Star break outside of the Boston Celtics. I mean, that's that's Chris Finch kind of getting his system in there. Um, you know, we, we talk about their offense a lot because they have great offensive players, but their defense hasn't been that bad. And actually, their defense won them that game last night. Um, you know, getting out and running in the break, uh, turnovers. They were able to slow down everyone other than Paul George. Um, and, you know, uh, that's a that's a win that they absolutely earned. And now they have their work cut out for them against one of the uh, brightest stars in the in the NBA and John Morant, which, you know, you, you got to come back down off that high and focus in. And I know that Pat Bev is going to have that team locked in because he, he understands, you know, um, you know, how good this Timberwolves team is. This Timberwolves team could be the the Atlanta Hawks of last year, Scott. They could be the Atlanta Hawks of last year. I, I respect that take. I, I They've been quietly, I feel like, playing, kind of like you pointed out, really good basketball for an extended stretch here. If you look at the way the bracket is, like, yeah, maybe they, they can make a tough series with Memphis. In the second round, they would get either, you know, Golden State um, – is that right? Yeah, they get Golden State or Denver. Golden State, we know Steph Curry, the injury, that's a big question mark for them. Denver doesn't yep. have their roster, half their roster yep. or the, the most important players. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can go that far, but like I, I don't think it's, you know, out completely out of the realm of possibility. Because to your point, this this team has been playing great basketball. Um it feels like they do have an identity on both ends of the court. And you even see it like last night, like the Clippers are a good team too. Um Anthony Towns has one of his worst games, potentially his worst game of the season, and they still find a way to win that game. Um, you know, with Patrick Bailey's defense, D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards' offense. So um th- th- this is a pretty nicely balanced team as well. It is. All right, let's get to the games that are pending here. Clippers uh, take on the Pelicans. How do you see that one going? Oh, oh sorry. So Pelican, yeah, never, sorry. I, I, I've skipped, <laughs> skipped the this, this, this Spurs. I apologize to Spurs fans, but I do believe that you guys are going to lose tonight. So give me give me the Spurs-Pelicans uh, breakdown before we get to Clippers-Pelicans. <laughs> um, I, I I find myself siding with the, the Pelicans. I, f- I feel a little bit more right. confident about them. Um, that There's a lot of on DeJounte Murray's uh, plate to kind of win that game. Um, they absolutely could. Uh, it's not just him on that team, but I, I, I do like the Pelicans. I hope this isn't the last time we see Greg Popovich uh, coach a basketball game this evening. Um, on the other side, Hawks, Hornets, that's a toss-up to me. Um, I, I, you know, As you said off the top, the Hornets feel like a team that could score 140 points, and the Hawks are definitely a team that could give up 140 points. Um, but then the other way, you have Trey Young who could go for 50, and, and he loves these type of moments mm-hmm. where the basketball world is watching. Like there's only one game going to be on in that slot. Everyone's watching. Everyone's paying attention. It's almost like a game seven four for these two teams. Uh, it is a game seven for these two teams. You lose and you go home. Um, I feel like he's going to put on a show tonight, or at least try to. And then you have Lamella Ball, who's a wild card, who who had a terrible playing game uh, the last time they went out, uh, and they got you know crushed by Indiana last year. I wonder how much that's on their mind. James Borrego, uh, another opportunity to. You know, get a win here and and, and advance. Um, you know, extend his season. I wonder if this is a game where he's maybe coaching for his job, right? Like, yeah, this is a, this is a big spot that you need to get over the hump. 
uh, with with a young team. I know Gordon Hayward's not there, and that that obviously doesn't help. But I think there's enough talent for this Hornets team to be at least expecting to be in the playoffs. Um, so how do you see that Hawks Hornets game going? And, yeah. Oh, by I the way, the divisional whole- matchup. Divisional matchup. You know oh. I gotta get that in there. I know, I know you do. You love your divisions. Um, yeah, I, I think the Hornets will be out to prove something after they lost by like what twenty-seven points, I think it was, to the Pacers last year. Um, that they, they kind of got embarrassed in that game. Was it only twenty-seven? It felt like that game was over. I, it like felt half. like fifty, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like you. I think I'm, I'm going with the Hawks. Look, Trey Young is the best player in this game. Um, he, he's had a fantastic season. I think it's kind of flown under the radar. Um, I had him on my All-NBA third team. I think he even had a case, really, for, for second team. He's just been absolutely incredible offensively. I also think like the concern like, the concern for me at the start of the season, when Trey Young said that the regular season is boring compared to the playoffs, like that raised some alarm bells for me, which is not something you want to hear for a guy who's in, what, his fourth year um, and things like that. But I'm also kind of just like based on that comment and based on the way that the Hawks have been playing over the last two to four weeks, it kind of feels like, you know, that they're, they're kind of finding their, finding their stride. And that's not to say that I expect them to go to the Eastern Conference Finals again because they have a really hard path to get there. Um, <laughs> but in a, in a play-in game in this situation, I, I am kind of, you know, expecting Trey Young to show up big and this team to show up big. So I, I think they'll beat the Hornets and I also think they'll beat the Cavaliers to get that last seed. I, I think the winner of this game, uh, and I'm picking the Hawks, but I do see an opportunity for the Hornets here. I think the winner of this game beats the Cavs. I'm, I'm sorry, Cavaliers. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think you make the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, I, you already know that I'm picking the Pelicans uh, over the Spurs. And like I said, I hope it's not Greg Popovich's <laughs> last game that we see him coaching. Um, so off to the, you know, we have, we both have, uh, you know, the Hawks and the Cavs. Do you have them over the Cavs? I do. I do. Look, fantastic season from the Cavaliers. Um, they, they surpassed everyone's expectations. Unfortunately, injuries just happen at the wrong time for them. We still don't yeah. know if Jared Allen is going to play in this Great game. Season. Great, Great season. season, though. Um, Darius Garland becomes an all-star. Evan Mobley might win Rookie of the Year. Um, him or Scotty Barnes, probably. So, great season. An encouraging kind of step in the right direction for them. But I, I do have a tough time seeing them meeting the Hawks. Yeah, Kevin Love might win six man of the year. Like he's in the conversation for that. On the other side, I think the Pelicans actually get back the Clippers. I, I think the, the the Pelicans are hitting the perfect stride at the right time. They're eight and two with uh, both CJ McCollum and um, uh, Brandon Ingram healthy, uh, and I I just feel like that's going to be a tough team to beat. Rolling mm-hmm. uh, the team that wins in in the first playing game. Um, I feel like they just have the momentum, uh, and they're going to have nothing to lose going into uh, you know the the former Staples Center Crypto Arena, um, and and that's not like a fortress for the, the the Clippers. Clippers don't have like that strong, you know, boisterous crowd that supports them. And I think the Pelicans could kind of silence that. Ingram's going back to a place where he feels very comfortable, um, and and CJ McCollum, <laughs> you know, he he's 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 that guy that uh, as well that could turn it on when when he needs to, uh, and I think they'll they'll thrive in this situation. It's funny, I thought Ty Lue had a really good game plan against the Timberwolves and almost backfired because Carl Anthony Towns fouled out with seven minutes to go in that game and it was almost like they didn't plan for him to not be on the court in those situations. Um, and, and, you know, then the Timberwolves kind of took over that game. That's my way of saying that I think Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the league. I trust him as like a tacni- tactician coming up with a game plan, everything like that. 
So I, I kind of lean towards the Clippers here. I wouldn't be surprised if the Pelicans did win. Um, they've been playing good basketball lately as well. CJ, like you said, Ingram, both been awesome. I don't think we see Zion on this in either of these games, um, but that, that show would be interesting. But I... I, I I'm also kind of like I want to see the Clippers advance just for the possibility that we do get Kawhi Leonard back because I think that would be just so interesting for the playoffs in general, but particularly like a first round matchup with the Suns. Um, yeah. But yeah, th- 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 that that could be a really fun game as well. That's how I feel about Zion. That's why I'm, I'm hoping for a Pelicans uh, victory more so than anything. All right, um, let's be through and 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 get to our our first round possible upsets. I have two series that I'm circling here. Um, and they are, uh, you know, in one conference, uh, I have the, the, well, I definitely have the Sixers over the, um, the rap, sorry, the Raptors over the Sixers. And I, I can be talked into Denver beating, uh, the Warriors. Um, just, but I, I feel more confident saying, uh, that the Raptors will win this in six. Where, where do you go for your first round upset and, uh, and why? I gave a lot of thought to the Denver Golden State series. Uh, first and foremost, injuries terrify me. So knowing how important Stephen Curry is to this team, even a down year by his standards, he was still fantastic. Um, the fact that he seems to be a game time decision for game one does scare me. But I still think that Golden State is so good defensively. And I think they have enough firepower to get past Denver, even with the the question mark with Steph Curry. And that's not to say I'd be surprised if Denver did win that series. Uh, we, we saw what Jokic did last year, leading them to a win over the Portland Trailblazers in the first round. Yes, these are different teams, but um, I mean, he, he's probably going to win his second straight MVP. He's incredible. I, I just couldn't quite get there with that, though. Um, like you, I think the Raptors could beat the 76ers, and I, I picked them in seven games. I think this one could go down, um, could go the distance. Look, the Raptors won the season series 3-1. Um, I probably don't put too much stock into that because there were so many different players in and out of the lineup, missing time. There was a big trade. Um, but, I, but I think they showed why they can be a really tough matchup for Philly in those games. I like the way they match up with Joel Embiid, even though they don't have um, basically any size at center. They defend him better than pretty much any team in the league. He's talked about this before. They just, they swarm him. They're relentless, throwing double, even triple teams at him sometimes. Um, and yes, that does make them vulnerable to, to, to guys hitting threes, him getting skip out passes and everything like that. But I think they'll live with that. And I also just love the way they match up with Harden, who, I, I mean, look, if the 76ers get the Harden that they had for the first four games after that trade, I, I think it's really hard to see Toronto probably winning this series. The fact of the matter is he's been so up and down since then. And even when you look at what happened in Brooklyn um, prior to that trade, it is a little worrying. So I think the fact that we don't really know what version of Harden we're going to get and the fact that Toronto can, you know, we, we've seen Nick Nurse throw box and ones against against Harden in the past. Like he, he's he, he's going to throw OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, uh, Scotty Barnes at him. The, these, you know, 6'8", six, 6'10 six, guys with long arms who can get under his skin a little bit. Um, I, I just like the way the Raptors match up with them top to bottom. And I also think, by the way, Matisse Tybal potentially only being able to play in, in four of these seven games if it does go the distance. I do think that's a huge factor. Um, offensively, Philly might actually be better because he's not going to be eligible in some of those games because sure. it's, it's going to open up their spacing playing someone like a, a Danny Green. But defensively, I mean, 
he he played Gary Trent Jr. really well in one of their matchups this year. Gary Trent Jr. is, is so important to what the Raptors do offensively. But he, he's also someone who can guard Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam if you need him to. And suddenly, this Sixers team that is already, you know, pretty top-heavy, doesn't have a ton of depth, you take away one of their rotational players and suddenly, you know, Tobias Harris has to defend Siakam more or Tyrese Maxey now has to chase around Gary Trent Jr. I, I do think that could have a, a huge impact on this series. I, I think I, I agree with most of what you said. Uh, I, I super agree with the Nick Nurse factor in this matchup, not just because of what he does X's and O's wise to stop players, but because I don't know that Doc could counter it. I, I, I do think that the coaching matchup goes towards Nick Nurse, um, and you know he, he's going to have a plan F if his plan A doesn't work. Uh, and, and I don't know that Doc is going to go that deep into his bag of tricks to pull out the unthinkable to try and get Philly past the Raptors and this series is going to need that from the Sixers it's not going to be enough that Joel Embiid has a great series or James Harden gets back to what he was closer to the trade deadline Uh, it's going to need something out of the box to figure out how to slow down Pascal Siakam and and even then um, you know how do you how do you slow on the wave of just playing hard you know the the Raptors just play harder than a lot of teams and defensively, they're so switchy. And you know the the six ten thing. I know the six nine six ten thing. We all laughed about it at the beginning of the season with the Raptors. But this is where it's going to show up uh, because you know if you're a James Harden, uh, you know you, know, you feast off of switching. Uh, you know on on a pick and roll, you feast off of seeing a bigger player guard you. That now everybody's going to be the same size. That length, that size, it's, you're, you're not going to be able to get past that. And I wonder if he's still going to have that same effect. Um, you know, if he's going to settle, you know, because he can't, he doesn't have that burst to getting to the rim. And then once he starts settling, that, that that changes the dynamic. And I still haven't seen enough from Tobias Harris, Scott. I know I said this all, you know, mm-hmm. I've probably said this 30 times on this show. I just have not seen enough from Tobias Harris to make me believe that he's figured out his Chris Bosch role with this team um, and, and how he can impact games consistently in the role that he's in. He, he, you know, he's had some spurts where he's had some games where, you know, you, you start to see where he's figuring it out, but there's, there's games where he just disappears and he's going to need to score the basketball, especially with Thibault not on, on the floor because Thibault's defense, um, you know, there's going to be a negative there. And I, and you said he's, he, they're going to gain offensively, but they only gain offensively if Tobias Harris steps up to the plate and, and contributes at a high level, at the level that you know he can contribute on because you can't depend on that for Danny Green or Cork Maz or, or, or even, you know, Maxie, like Max. Maxie, yes, Maxi, I expect to play well, but Tobias Harris takes him over the top for me, uh, and they, that makes him a dangerous team. I have the Raptors in six. I just don't see everything going right for the Sixers the way that this team has uh, has kind of stumbled. Not really stumbled, but looked down the stretch. They didn't look as the same way they did once the James Harden trade went through, um, and, and I think that's just a chemistry slash Doc Rivers slash he hasn't had enough time to, to really figure out how to make all the pieces work with the Embiid, Harden, and everyone else situation. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the the pick for me in Raptors is just the Raptors know who they are. They have one of the best coaches in the league, a guy who is not afraid to do pretty much anything. And they're going up against a team that, yes, they have Joel Embiid, who is going to be a top three um, fine. He's going to be a finalist for MVP this season, could win the award. They might not be able to stop him, but I, I think there's enough question marks about his supporting cast and their depth 
that this this is a pretty this is kind of a toss up to me. Um, so especially with the way the Raptors played down the stretch of the season, um, the way they played against them that last uh, game of the regular season when they met, uh, it I, I think it's going to be a fun series. I, I just I do like the way the Raptors match up with them. Me too. I also the fun thing that you said there stuck out for me too. Nick Nurse is going to try everything. He's also going to try everything, but the team buys into it. I don't know if yeah, Doc has that same buy in from his team when uh, their backs are against the wall. Um, all right, Lakers head coaching situation quickly. Um, you know, I don't know if you could give me a prediction on who will be, but Mark Jackson was the latest name that was thrown in the hat. There's also a bunch of other names, Nick Nurse included. Um, you know, it, it, first of all, it wasn't Frank Vogel's fault that the Lakers uh, had a poor season. Let me make that clear. Frank Vogel is a great coach. I, I truly believe that. Um, he proved that in the bubble, getting this team to the championship uh, and winning it. Then also following it up the following year with the injuries that they had, you know, AD going down, LeBron going down, and still keeping that team as a uh, one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, missing those two pieces, I think, proved to me that if you give him – um, you know, the bodies to fit his system, it would work out. This year, he did not have those bodies. You know, uh, he, he had a bunch of old guys that just didn't really fit what he was trying to bring to the table because they were awful defensively. Uh, offensively, maybe you can question whether or not he needs an offensive coordinator on his staff to help him out there. Uh, but, you know, defensively, I think he's he's one of the best coaches' uh, minds in basketball. And, you know, you saw that it wasn't there this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm not just saying that based off of his time with the Lakers. Like, you go back even further when he was even a younger coach, you know, first of all with uh, with the Pacers. Um, you know, he, he gave LeBron and, and the Heat fits in two back-to-back conference finals. Um, you know, those Pacers teams, people forget, you know, push that team, that LeBron James and Dwayne Wade team to Game 7. Um, you know, and, and then Roy Hibbert was basically out of the league after that. Like, Frank Vogel could figure things out um, given the right pieces. Orlando didn't work out for him because that team stunk, and, and they still stink. You know, no matter who's coaching there, they're, they're an awful team. But I think Vogel, you know, uh, getting the championship um, is going to have another opportunity at coaching somewhere uh, as a head coach, and I, I expect him to do, um, you know, a decent job if he has the right pieces in place. Uh, I I want to throw this name out for you, and I don't know nothing about nothing, but I, I would I would. It would not shock me if the the, the Lakers went to like the, the college ranks and, and tried to pull a big name out of college. Hmm. It wouldn't shock me. Interesting. Um, by the way, the Lakers had the best defensive rating in the league last season, despite LeBron and AD being in right. and out of lineup a lot of the season. Like that, that's an incredible feat. And I'm with you. I do think Vogel's a great coach. We don't need to to spend too much more time on that. It's it's just it's really hard to know where this is going to go, right? Because <clears throat> on one hand. This is an attractive job because sure. it's the Lakers, it's LeBron James, it's Anthony Davis. You, in theory, like that, there is a path to winning a championship. But on the other, the way that things kind of went with Frank Vogel, I think will leave a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. There's also just a ton of pressure um, because you will be expected to kind of lift this team up to not only be a playoff team after they missed it this year, but a title contender because you need to make the most out of whatever LeBron has left. But also... It, it's it's just it's just so much pressure, right? Um, so I, I'm very curious to where this goes. And we've seen Quinn Snyder mention reports. We've seen Nick Nurse. And by the way, I I don't want to see Nick Nurse coaching the Lakers. Um, I, I think he's at his best when he has a team like the Raptors, where like we just said, he can get them. He can throw anything out on offense and defense. Um, and he has players who are going to do that. 
we're not going to see that if he's coaching Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right? Um, because granted, LeBron's proven he's one of the greatest players of all time. You're going to do, you're going to run the offense through him and all that. Um, but I, I just love the situation that Nick Nose is in and kind of don't want to see him um, coaching a Lakers team like that. It, to me, like David Fisdale makes a lot of sense. Like he's, sure. he's already an assistant coach on the team. He has a history with LeBron. Sure. Um, I think Sam Cassell's also really interesting. You know, a former player. He has a ton of assistant coaching experience. It does feel like he's he's like next up um, in one of these you know uh, rookie head coaches jobs. That, again, it's just it's a tough first gig. Like that that's ultimately all this comes down to. And maybe it is. Maybe they they go after a Jawan Howard, um, which we've seen kind of reported, and, and take someone from the college ranks. But it, it it does seem like every single day at this point that a new name gets thrown out there. Um, at a completely different level of kind of coaching rank. So uh, it, it's hard to know. And, and yeah, by the way, the, the, the last point is the whole Russell Westbrook situation. Like we, 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 it seems safe to assume that LeBron and AD are going to be on this team next year. Um, but we have no idea what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook. Um, do, they, do they, you know, stretch his contract, get rid of him? Do they reach a buyout? Do they trade him? And by the way, like half of their roster um, is going to be free agents this offseason. So they're going to have to completely rebuild, uh, fill out their starting lineup and their bench on basically minimum contracts once again. So, yeah, it, it's just not going to be an easy gig <laughs> is basically what this comes no. down to. No, it's not, and it's uh, up to the front office to figure themselves out first to give uh, put a roster or a plan in place at least before they uh, they get a coach in there to coach. Uh, all right, let's run through our awards quickly before we get out of here. MVP, who do you have? I have Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I, uh, I I had I had Giannis all the way through. I even voted for Giannis as our, our sporting news player of the year. I believe Jokic is the MVP only because I thought Giannis and the Bucks kind of uh, took their foot off the gas pedal towards the end of the season to make sure that they didn't have to see the the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Didn't like that. Jokic is my MVP as well. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, for I feel like for two weeks I was on the Marcus Smart train, and then the last second I I switched to Mikel Bridges. I think. The Suns have been absolutely elite defensively all season long. He takes on the toughest defensive assignment every single night and does a great job at it. And he's, what, played every single game this season, never rests, never takes nights off. Um, I I think defensive play of the year is such a close call. There's so many good candidates this season. But I I just love what Mikel Bridges was able to do. Big shout out to me for uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I thought that he, um, you know, definitely deserves a shout out in that regard. Uh, but I eventually went with Marcus Smart. I think Marcus Smart is uh, deserving. Anytime you have a Celtics team or or any team for that matter, and the best defensive team doesn't at least have a you know consideration for the best defensive player on the team. Um, and I know Robin Williams is so important, but Marcus Smart really, to me, over the last couple of years, ever since he's been there, has been the heart and soul of that defense. Uh, I think he needs to be rewarded with Defensive Player of the Year. I know it's not an accumulation, but he guards everyone. Um, so he that's, does. that's my my call there. Uh, Rookie of the Year, I had Scotty Barnes. Wasn't even a question for me. Evan Mobley has had a great season. What Scotty Barnes did with the Raptors, playing all five positions different times throughout the season, having to guard some of the best players in the league as a rookie, doesn't matter regardless of position um, and and doing it uh, while staying healthy, being banged up, playing through it, uh, having nights where he shot like terrible from the field and still trying to contribute. There wasn't a game I watched uh, and I watched a lot of Raptors this season, but there wasn't a game where I watched 
and Scotty Barnes was on the floor, and I didn't feel his impact in some way, whether it was with a loose ball, whether it was just starting the game with energy defensively, um, you know, doing something playmaking-wise that you didn't expect. He got better every single month, and I think he's going to be a thrill to watch in the playoffs. Agreed. Contributing to a uh, you know a playoff team as well, playing over 35 minutes a night. It's, it's very unusual to see a player um, make as much of an impact as Scotty Barnes has this season. I, like you, had him at number one. I do think it was close. I think Evan Mobley has been absolutely fantastic. Defensively, too, sure, he might not guard all five positions quite as much as Scotty Barnes does. He still switches a ton. Um, he's an elite rim protector already. It, it, it look, like, I, I feel like it's safe to assume at some point Evan Mobley is going to be on the old defensive teams. He, I mean, he, he he even has a case to make one on this year, and he could be a defensive player of the year kind of player um, down the road. So it, it was close to me. And also, shout out to Cade Cunningham. Oh, who, yeah, he got great after uh, towards yeah, the end he of the was, season. He was, he was absolutely fantastic. But I, I, I do think, um, he, you know, he missed some time at the start of the year. That That's not a knock on him. Um, but the fact that Mobley and Barnes are contributing to playoff teams, I, I do think that matters in a situation like this, and I, it gives... It gives them the edge uh, for me. Yeah, I I just feel like Nick Nurse gave Barnes more responsibilities throughout the season than Mobley got um, this season in Cleveland. Um, not to say that he wasn't great. I just feel like the the workload and, and things that he was asked to do wasn't as much as Scotty Barnes this year. So that, that gave him the nod for me. Coach of the year. Uh, Monty Williams. This was – look – this was pretty easy to me. I, I know Taylor Jenkins has a fantastic case. I had him number two on my ballot. What he's been able to do to this Grizzlies team, especially with how successful they were without John Morant, is absolutely incredible. I also just think there's something to the Suns were, you know, two wins away from the finals last year, lose four straight. They come back this year. They're even better. They set the franchise record in wins. This team is incredible on both ends of the court. Every single player on that roster knows exactly what they're doing. Um, they've been an absolute machine at the end of games in crunch time. To me, I, I think that deserves to be rewarded. So for me, it's Monty Williams. No question for me is it Taylor Jenkins. Uh, no one expected the Memphis Grizzlies to finish second overall in the Eastern Conference, in the Western Conference, rather. Uh, and you know, and there was times where John Morant wasn't playing. Like if you had told me that he would miss as much time as he did, John Morant. And the, the team would still figure out a way to be comfortably in second. I'd say no chance. Um, and I think at the beginning of the year, I might have said, you know, they would be they would be happy with maybe a fifth or sixth seed, their second seed in the Eastern Con- in the Western Conference rather. Um, and, and no one expected that. I, I do think that, unfortunately, the success for Phoenix last year, um, you know, takes away the vote for me for Monty Williams because it wasn't a surprise. I expected Phoenix to finish first in the uh, Western Conference this year, and they did just that. Uh, but did you expect them to be this good? They were great. They were great. Uh, I didn't, but I did expect them to finish first, and I, I, I you know, I, I just was shocked by Memphis, and I think a lot of people are um, when you look at Taylor Jenkins, who's a pretty nondescript coach, um, who's, who's going to get an opportunity here now to to prove himself in the postseason. Uh, quickly, most improved, uh, I went Tyrese Maxey, and for sixth man of the year, I ended up with Tyler Hero. Yeah, let's let's breeze past most improved because I feel like we'll be on another thirty minutes for you to go on your uh, your rant about how no, no, no to top five that. picks no. shouldn't be MIP. I had John Morant. I, yeah. I think the leap that he's made to superstardom. Yes, we we saw hints of this at the end of last season. I still think it's the hardest leap for players to make. He's been incredible. Um, six man of the year, Tyler Hero. Um, he might not be unanimous based on a you know one or two ballots that I've seen, but uh, I I think he's he's going to run away with this. 
agreed uh, on the Tyler Hero front. Disagree on the uh, Ja Morant front. Um, Scott, we're, we're we're almost here. We're almost in playoff season. We're still in play-in season. Game seven's all the way through now uh, in the play-in tournament, which should be fun. We gave you our predictions at the top, um, and we will have our playoffs uh, kind of first weekend recap in our normal time slot next Tuesday. 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time, live across the NBA Global Networks. So if you missed any part of the show, you can find us wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Just type in NBA Sound System. Give us a like, a rate, and review. It helps us out a ton. For Scott Rafferty, I am Carlin Gay. We will see you next week. Enjoy the playoffs, folks. Enjoy the playoffs, folks.